I felt it, Michelle. We're remotely connected. Well, howdy, Michelle. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm okay. I've been better. Considering. <laughs> Do you know what? Have you ever had a holiday that's gone wrong? Yes. That's my holiday right now. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it. I'm so uh, sorry to hear it. Uh, but well, listen, let's welcome our guests first of all. Welcome to this conversation. You're eavesdropping, but we don't mind. In fact, we love it. I'm Geordie. I'm Michelle. And we do love that you're eavesdrop. We love that you're eavesdroppers. You've got a yes. name, people. You've got a name. You're eavesdroppers. Don't you know your name? Who are you? Who the hell are you? Who are you anyway? I'm an eavesdropper. So, yes, welcome. Welcome. Come come one, come all. And, uh, yes, Michelle is coming to us from a glamorous locale somewhere in the Spanish Balearics. I'm not in the Balearics. Oh, you're not? I'm in the Canaries. Oh, the Canaries, of Canaries, course. yes. Canaries, darling. Yes, a bit of sunshine. It's a funny old time, a bit of a holiday mishap, but... You've got to just smile and make the most of it, right? Oh, Mish. I am sorry that you're <laughs> having sun, sea and no fun, but them's the breaks, I guess. Well, I had a mammogram this week, so don't think that everyone's having a great time. <laughs> oh, dear. You know, I've never had one of those. I've never put my tit in a machine. Well, you should try it sometime. Oh, is it good fun, is it? No, it's awful, yeah. but you need to do it. I mean, everybody needs to get a mammogram, just like, well, all the ladies do, and just like they all need to have a... Uh, one up the jacksie as well. What do you call that one? Uh, the eye of the jacksie. <laughs> not the eye of the, not the eye of the ding dong. We're talking about a medical procedure, and it's known as a smear test. That's it. Sorry to all the gentlemen listening. No, I don't think my boobs are big enough for a mammo. It, they'll find a way. They will find a way to squish those little beasties down into a flat pancake and take a nice X-ray. It's an X-ray. Oh, I didn't realise. No, I thought it was something more. What else has been going on in your life? What's going on? You've had a mammogram? Nothing nothing to report. I've had a mammogram. It's been raining here in the UK. Yes, in London it rains. It's back to, as per usual, the weather mm. is as it should be. In fact, I've got some interesting facts here for you, Michelle, in... Judy for I've girls. I've got my Judy out. I've got my Judy annual out. <laughs> and I found some interesting weather-related info in here. And you have to remember, this is a 1969 manual. Manual, do they call it's it? It's an annual. <laughs> it ain't no manual. How to be a girl in 1969. No, it's not a manual, you duffer. Hang on, let just bear with me. I didn't even realise in here, but there is a pictorial illustrated story of the life of Spike Milligan, one of my comedy heroes. I'll be reading that later. But how bizarre. In a little girl's... Annual. Well, they're not little girls. I think they're teens. Teens. Well, obviously, you know, he's an interesting character and he was very relevant in 1969 for whatever reason. He was relevant. Yes, I guess. Okay. Where is that lovely... I need to find it because, Michelle, you need to know this information. I'm all ears. I can't wait to hear what Judy has to say. Judy. Here it is. Weather law. There's a whole page devoted to weather law. It says here, for centuries... People have tried to foretell the weather from signs in nature. Here is a short guide to some of the better known sayings. 
So this is how you live your life, Michelle, in 1969. It's a saying. So just remember those little sayings like red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. Now, we all know that. And actually, I repeat that to myself every time I look out the window and I see that red sky at night. I think, oh, it's going to be a lovely day tomorrow. Or if it's a red sky in the evening, I think, oh, bugger, I better bring the washing in. I've never even heard that before. Oh, well, what about this one? Rain before seven. Bright before 11. This is very often true. Only the rare cases does rain fall continuously for more than three hours. It may not be bright, but at least the rain will ease off. Okay, so... If it's been pissing down before 7am, then it should be a nice day later on. Oh, well, that's nice to know. Do you know what? I actually think that there is something in that now I think about it. Well, they've made little rhymes out of things that they've anecdotally noticed over the years, our, our ancestors. Let's call them that. And here we have another one. So many fogs in March, you see. So many frosts in May will be. And that means this is obviously only for the United Kingdom, by the way. This is an easy one to check up on. Arm yourself with a notebook and pencil and keep a diary of fogs and frosts. Because that's something to do, Michelle, isn't it, when you're bored? If there aren't any of either, you have a new notebook for something else. Oh, oh my God. Being thrifty at the same time. Thrifty, I said. Thrifty. Thrifty. There's one more. I need you to know this last one, Michelle. Sorry, I know you're bored already, but too bad. I'm going to tell you the last one because it's really interesting. If you live in the country, this piece of observation is worth checking up on. And when I said United Kingdom, I meant the Northern Hemisphere, actually. It is said that if frog spawn is laid in the middle of a pond, keep your eyes peeled, people, it foretells a dry summer. Laid at the edges, Wet weather will follow. That's a really handy thing to know. First of all, if you actually have a pond and a little frog in there. Most of us probably do get frogs at some point in our ponds, don't we? Oh, well, that's very handy. Thank you. I'm going to reach now for my notebook and I'm going to make some notes of fogs and frosts and frogs. And if you don't see either, then you've got an extra notebook to write little doodles and things in, Michelle. Aren't I lucky? (laughs) And maybe next time I'll tell you about some car games that... Judy, the annual, not the manual, told me about. Oh, lovely. I can't wait. I'm terrible at card games. I'm as bad at no, card games. No, I know. It's not card. No. What? Car. Car games. Oh, car games. Games oh. to play in the car. It's on. It's on. It's on. It's on, it's on like it's Donkey Kong. It's gone. It's on. It's on. On like Donkey it's Kong. going, going, gone interesting what are we talking about exactly today michelle because it's a bit of a a loosey-goosey topic isn't it really well i don't know what you told me that you were researching all i heard was the word psychic i said psychic's gone bad is what i said oh because i would just heard psychics and i thought god knows what she's on about i'm just gonna look at something you really want to listen michelle. i don't listen enough this happened to me the other day you said mysteries and i ended up talking about a lady who gave birth to a medical mystery so today i have a little psychic something something for you oh you know in this podcast We are all over psychic stuff. We do love psychic stuff. And we've had people write in after our psychic episodes. We have. And actually look up the people we've talked about. Yes. And I will say some of our listeners, apologies in advance, they don't enjoy the esoteric episodes. They like more true crime stuff or whatever they like. But you know what? There's room for everything. We like to talk about a a whole gamut of stuff, don't we, Michelle? We run the gamut. Gamut. The gamut. The The gamut. Real life, true crime, supernatural. Supernatural. That's what we do. 
So today, this falls into the supernatural category. Great. I came across this article from 2008. Now, I know it's an old article, but it did have some interesting info in it. So there's a guy called Chris Rowe, and he's currently actually the president of the Society for Psychical Research. We love that place. We do. And for anyone who maybe doesn't know what it is, it's a really, really old foundation that started in the UK in 1882. And it's what it says on the tin, psychical research. They research the paranormal. We have actually discussed it many times. It's come into so many stories Mm. that we've done. It's come into stories about every single poltergeist that we've talked about that's UK based. Absolutely. The Enfield haunting, the Battersea haunting, Jeff the talking mongoose over in (laughs) Isle of Man. We've done it all and that has always come into it. And there's been some amazing names of people who've worked at or for the psychical research Absolutely. And maybe we should put a pin in that and do something specifically on that whole society because I find it really fascinating that for centuries, you know, at least in the UK, there's been a very strong lean towards wanting to know more, wanting to understand, investigating. And that's what this guy is doing. I feel that the UK is very mystical. Great Britain itself comes from those mystical Celtic roots, the pagan roots. You know, we've got Stonehenge. We've got lots of other standing stones. All of the British Isles Mm. are steeped in mystical, magical mysteries. (laughs) I agree. <laughs> or interests and fascinations, at least. Everybody's kind of got a little bit of a an interest in a ley line here or a, <laughs> a pagan ritual there, you know. I would agree. And, and I think that when I was looking into this guy, he's very interesting because not only is he the president of the Society for Psychical Research, he is also a professor of psychology at the University of Northampton. Well, isn't that mm, interesting? Yes. A science and a neuroscience. What do you call it? Neuroscience is probably psychology. And what's the word I'm looking for when the word that we've used before for fake science? Pseudo-psychology. Pseudo-science. Yeah, pseudo-science. Well. So a pseudo-science and a neuroscience. And he's got an interest in both. Well, he does. And in fact, he runs a really popular course module on parapsychology. At the University of Northampton. People love that course. And uh, he supervises doctoral students working on parapsychological dissertations. Excellent. He's also a former president of the Parapsychological Association. So he does know his staff. Back in 2008, he was working on creating experiments to see if remote viewing was actually real. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Remote viewing. Basically... And what I mean by remote viewing is it's ESP, basically, when you get a picture yeah. or information Telepathy. yeah, about t- events or people or places that you don't know about or that are unknown to you, but which these events are actually happening. So in your mind's eye, you can accurately see, hear or feel what's going on somewhere without Smell. physically, yes, without physically being there. So, you know, you can see surroundings, you can hear people's conversations, you can feel what's going on in the environment, if you need a little cardigan or whatnot. What? I, well, you've got a cardigan, you're all wrapped up there, you're all rugged up. <laughs> and you're just sitting in your home. So, you know, you're, you're, and you're remotely viewing me right now. Well, that's through the magic of FaceTime. <laughs> but anyway, 
<laughs> I wish I could remote. Can you imagine if we could remote view our yes. episodes? Yes. You know, it's it is basically ESP, where you send your mind somewhere but not your body. And I actually don't know why it's been rebranded as remote viewing. Maybe to give it more legitimacy or... It sounds a bit better, yeah. It, it doesn't sound so juju. But anyway, back in 2008, Dr. Chris Rowe, his doctor... I love him already. He was conducting these tests. Full disclosure here, this article that I took the information from is from the Daily Mail. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, they actually have some... Some good stuff in there, some juicy tissue. But well, you know what? People don't like the Daily Mail because of their far right leanings yeah. and sensationalism. But I will say they did something amazing. And we talked about that in one other episode where they actually named some suspects who were responsible for Stephen Lawrence's murder when the police, the police's hands were tied and couldn't do anything. And they were yep. integral to that making a case against the suspects. Yeah, power of the media. Look, you know, I do think the Daily Mail, yes, they get slammed and I would never read it for my actual news, but they do have a lot of <laughs> really fun content and this is one of them. So so they talk about Dr. Chris Rowe and this experiment he conducted where he put, that was so weird, you just put your hands over your ears and I'm about to say, he put a pair of fluffy earphones <gasps> On a 20-year-old woman. Honestly, we're connected, Georgie. I felt it, Michelle. We're remotely connected. We are. But look, actually, I must say, I don't know that there's any significance in the fact that the headphones were fluffy. But it's just a little extra touch I thought I'd keep in this story. Fair enough. Along with, and I thought, like, put a pin in this. He then apparently sliced a ping-pong ball in half. Well, that's not easy. No, that's really hard. He must have had a little mini handsaw or something. And then he taped each of these mini golf balls cut in half oh. over oh. this lady's eyes. Okay. So she couldn't see. A sensory isolation. Yes, but to me it just seemed all a bit theatrical. I don't know why he didn't just get one of those yoga masks and then put some yeah. gaffer tape or something over them. Then he switched on a red light that bathed the woman in an eerie glow. And then he left the lab room because I assume he's doing this at the University of Northampton. It's feeling very Stranger Things. A little bit. And pretty soon there's a low hum in the lab and the woman starts smiling and she says she can sense a group of trees and a babbling brook. I love that. I love those two words together. I think it's really lovely. Babbling brook. A yeah, babbling brook. This woman, so she's seeing this lovely stream full of boulders. And standing on one of those boulders is her mate Jack. And he's waving at her and smiling. And she then starts describing the location in detail to Dr. Rowe. And you know what? Half a mile away. Oh, my God. Her friend Jack standing in that babbling brook on a boulder. So, yes, she has tapped into something. That's amazing. Yeah. Somehow in her mind's eyes, she could see Jack on that boulder in real time. Yeah. Waving. So he was part of the experiment as well. Dr. Chris didn't tell either of them what was going on, but he had an assistant say to Jack, now just stand there and wave because it's timed. It's all timed and they know what time he's going to be setting her up in that room. So start waving now, Jack. Yes, I'm sorry that your arms are sore. Keep fucking waving, Jack, because this is very important. (laughs) That's what I thought. I thought Jack must be in on this experiment. So it's quite controlled because there's part of you that could think, okay, 
is Jack in on this? Is she in on this? Is it a hoax? But, you know, is there something going on? And this is exactly what Dr. Rowe wants to investigate. Yeah. Which is, you know, do we all, to some degree, have some kind of psychic power that with a Mm. bit of training we can tap into? I say yes. I say yes too. And he thinks yes because... You know, he thinks it is possible to project our mind's eye to other locations and actually see what's going on there. Even if it's in another, you know, country or miles away, it doesn't matter. And like I said, this research was done in 2008. And unfortunately, and I did look, I can't find what his conclusions were to these experiments. But when this article went out, his early findings did suggest that up to 85% of people might actually have this ability to remote view. Incredible. And he does believe that with a bit of training, we all can do it. So as you can imagine, this got people rather hot under the collar and excited about the idea of it. And there were quite a number of um, reputable scientists who were into what he was doing including a guy called uh, Professor Brian Josephson, who is a Nobel Prize winning physicist from Cambridge University, Yeah, who says, and these are his words, the experiments have been designed to rule out luck and chance. I consider the evidence for remote viewing to be pretty clear cut. And that's pretty high praise coming from a Nobel Prize winning physicist, I yeah. think. So when you've got people like this guy, saying there's something to it idea of remote viewing well Geordie Hmm. who else do you think might be interested in experiments like this the government specifically the American government military absolutely the military at that time was also taking note of what Dr Rowe was doing were they now oh yes the UK Ministry of Defence took it quite seriously, seriously enough that they commissioned their own research into remote viewing. And look, the thing is, it's not just Dr. Rowe. The Ministry of Defence in the UK have had an interest in this since the 60s and 70s. PSYOPs and all that. Yes. Apparently in 2008, there were documents released under the Freedom of Information Act that showed that the Ministry of Defence did do a series of experiments on different kinds of psychic phenomena. And the thing is that I've read that the documents that were available were pretty thin on the ground with the info. So I think lots of stuff redacted. Sure. But the fact that those files even exist to say that these experiments were conducted does show that the military were taking the idea of psychic phenomena seriously. They're interested for sure. Absolutely. What we know from previous episodes we've done classy military research from the US military during the Cold War they were all over psychic testing mm-hmm. you know we've talked about that Mark Ronson book the men who stare at goats John Ronson what did I say I think Mark Ronson makes tunes oh my god Mark John Ronson. Ronson you're right Mark he yeah he did the remix Mark Ronson did the remix <laughs> the US military during the 60s and the 70s we've got the MK Ultra and all that kind of stuff but absolutely mentioned before you should watch the Ipcrest file which is this version of a Michael Caine film which has been turned into a TV show with Joe Cole it's so good it's a little bit far-fetched but equally they were doing those experiments on people giving them heaps of acid and trying to train them to be assassins yeah that was MK Ultra I mean I don't know if you ever bought the Kate Bush record the whole story I have them all I have them all yeah so you would know that song experiment four 
They told us that their dum-dums were the sound that could kill someone. That's it. And it really is. I think she must have taken her inspiration for that song from MK Ultra and all this stuff because sure, yeah. that whole song is all about and, – and actually, do you know what? I, when I was thinking about that song because it did pop into my mind when I was doing the research for this, I went to YouTube and I watched the clip, the video. And? Do you know who's in it? Who? Dawn French, oh! for a start, is in oh. it. And Hugh Laurie. Oh, how wonderful. So it's a comedy a comedy extravaganza. I'll put a link in the show notes. Show notes, shit out of that song. Brilliant. Just circling back to the military, the American military. So obviously they believed at the time that the Russians had found a way to weaponize psychic abilities like yeah. telekinesis and all that stuff. You know, moving things with your mind. Yeah. And they were, as we know, trying to teach soldiers in elite combat units to do this. And they apparently were also using clairvoyance to gather intelligence from top secret American military bases. And of course, this did not go over well with the Americans, especially as they believed that the Russians had the potential to control the minds of their own US military generals. So they were really scared. It's a little bit QAnon, isn't it? It's like deciding that this crazy shit can actually happen and now you can't trust anyone. I know. And it's really like paranoid and... yeah. Like it's right in the middle of Cold War stuff as well. So it really, yeah, really scary. So to get ahead of all that, in the early 70s, the US military began its own top secret research to try to, in their words, close the psychic intelligence gap Okay. with the Russians. And the CIA later joined the party uh, with research projects with what I think are kind of silly names like Project Sunstreak and Project Grillflame. What? And, uh, <laughs> I know, it's just like, it sounds like a bag of crisps. What they wanted to do was gather up, and, and they did do this. They gathered up what, who they thought were the most psych- psychic and like gifted psychics in the US to figure out how they were using their gifts and could they teach those psychic skills to soldiers and special agents so they could control things with their mind and gather intelligence using psychic powers. They even wanted to test whether the US Navy could send secret orders to nuclear submarines using telepathy. 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 My God. Wow. Because they didn't want the Russians to intercept the messages. So if you can do it mind to mind, no one can infiltrate. Right. Wow. My head's spinning a little bit at all this info. It's crazy, right? And apparently as well, there were researchers at Princeton and Stanford universities that Uh were investigating the paranormal, in particular remote viewing, because they, again, Mm. wanted to see if it could be used as a, a useful military skill for psychic spies. Oh. And the way they were taught to remote view was based on something called the Gansfeld technique, where... They would put these psychic spies into altered states of consciousness by sitting around a soundproof room, wearing earphones, playing white noise. They would then put sliced in half ping pong balls. What's with the ping pong balls? Over the eyes. Then they would put a red light in the room. And now we know why Dr. Rowe was doing it. He's obviously gone back to look at these techniques and what they were doing and try and put them into his own research. Can I just say one thing quickly about the ping pong ball sliced open? Yes. Unless you've done it with a hot knife, 
it's going to be all jaggedy around the halves. And scratchy. And scratchy around that delicate eye area, Michelle. I mean, honestly, why would you put that on your eye area when you've just been putting creme de la mer, five pounds of smear on the eyes? Exactly. But do you know what? I know now why they're using ping pong balls because you can still see through. You can have a white light through or a white glow and it must be something to do with the layers of light, the the white with the red rather than just blackout completely because otherwise why bother with the red light if you've got a blackout? mask i don't know i think that's a very interesting point and i I don't have any answers sorry it's because like if you put white plastic over your eyes you'll still see and that's what the the red light they want you to not see anything but they want you to feel bathed in the red light that's got something to do with it do you know what this whole time i have been reading ping pong balls as golf balls what an idiot i thought they were heavy and but no you're absolutely (laughs) right in my mind's eye i've been thinking of a golf ball on an eyeball they're chalk that's chalk with plaster around the edge or something i don't even know what an idiot it's only just as you were speaking i'm like (laughs) what's she talking about and i'm like hang on it's a ping pong ball not a bloody golf ball what an idiot (laughs) i know Golf balls are really heavy. You I know. That's why I was like, they're going to be really heavy on the eyeballs. And solid. Really scratchy. Oh, God. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> I can't believe that I was projecting in my mind's eye to you a golf ball and you didn't Well, I wasn't it. receiving it. No, you bloody weren't. I was receiving weren't. a ping pong ball. Yeah, which is actually what came out of my mouth. Anyway, yeah. okay. Ping pong balls sliced in half. And yes, of course, that's why the red light has something to do with it all. Yes, now we're on the same page. So, look, apparently one of these experiments uh, the military did was that they would write, write, they would write map coordinates on of a target location on a piece of paper. Then they'd put it in an envelope, seal it up and give it to the psychic spy. And the wow. spy was allowed to touch the envelope, but obviously they weren't allowed to open it. And then... They would go into a trance-like state and look into their mind's eye and see if they could read these coordinates from the target location. And when they did this, the psychic spies did report things like seeing pictures and they had feelings and they were encouraged to say what their impressions were while they were in this trance. And weirdly, the scientists who were investigating remote viewing found the pictures that these spies were receiving um, and the impressions to be surprisingly accurate. And they believe that this would give military intelligence maybe not a massive advantage but a small advantage over their enemies. And apparently there was a guy called Joe McMonagall who was a psychic spy in the US military and he had the code name Remote Viewer Number One. Oh, well, that's not very secret, is it? It gives the game away slightly. It's not like Sundowner, Whiskey Jack. Maybe it was just his name, so he was anonymous to his other fellow remote viewers. You know, it's like being called 007. He's like 008. Kind of, okay. I, that's what I take right. it as. But you're right. It would be nicer if he was called Whiskey Sunset. Remote viewer number yeah, one. he was a remote viewer number one. And look, his his main role was to use remote viewing to look inside Russian military bases and gather intelligence. And did he? Well, yes, because he says he was recruited from U.S. Army Intelligence where he served in Vietnam because apparently he had an incredible ability to survive behind enemy lines against seemingly impossible odds. 
And his commanding officers thought that he was either ridiculously lucky, a double agent, or psychic. Okay. I wonder which of the three things he actually was. Well, the US government hauled him in and tested him for remote viewing skills. And he did have psychic abilities. And for the next 20 years... The military used him to track Russian nuclear warheads and gather intelligence. Fuck me, Michelle. Is that actually true? Yes. And he said he had a success rate of around 28%, which to me sounds quite shit, but apparently... It's enough to keep him employed. Well, he was apparently brought in to deal with the really hard to crack stuff. And he must have had like some kind of good results because he got apparently got the Legion of Merit which is America's highest military non-combat medal. And these are his words. He says, our information was cross-checked with any other available intelligence to build up an overall picture. We proved to be quite useful spies. So I don't think his intelligence was used as 100% fact, but they would use him as just one sort of tool in in the tool belt of what they had. So... Once the UK heard about this guy and these psychic spies, they wanted in on the action. Of course they bloody did. Yeah. And they were apparently all over this psychic called Nella Jones. Now, she lived in North London. I feel like we've either mentioned her or we've come across her in our research. Well, she came to prominence in 1974 because in North London, there was a Vermeer painting called The Guitar Player. It had been stolen from Kenwood House and she reckoned she could help find it because one day she was there doing her ironing and watching telly at the same time and her mind suddenly focused on the location of the painting. And she was like, fuck, I need to write this down. So she sketched out the location. She went to the police. They thought she was a bit of a nutball, but they didn't have any other leads. So they gave it a go. And you know what? It was there. Yeah. Wow. The information she gave them, they used it and they found the painting at St. Bartholomew's Churchyard as a result (gasps) of her info. Incredible. So for the next 20 years. They used her. Yes. She was a go-to. And apparently she gave Scotland Yard loads of info that helped track down lots of murderers. (gasps) Go Nella. Wow. Yes. Apparently... Detective Chief Inspector Arnie Cook from Scotland Yard said of Nella, and these are his words, her evidence was not the type that you can put before a jury, but senior investigating officers have got to take people like her on board and accept what they are saying. And in 1993, they publicly thanked her and even hosted a dinner in her honour. Amazing. Yeah. And I guess it's then down to the detectives to gather the evidence to back up exactly you know, where she's pointed them in the right direction a little yeah. bit like the military you know using these psychic spies it's just one tool in their in their arsenal amazing but there's a woman called professor jessica utz who is a statistician from the yes. university of statistics Cal- from uh the university of california and according to her research she says that remote viewers are correct 34% of the time, which oh. in terms of statistics is far, far higher than what chance guessing would allow. So she really thinks there's something into it. But just circling back to Dr. Rowe to wrap this up, 
Apparently, he wanted to conduct experiments as well to see if it was possible to remote view through time. Wow. So, looking into your mind's eye to see not just location and what's going on in real time, but to see what's happening at any point in time in the future. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he thinks it's possible. Not the past. Specifically talks about the future, but I think you could be able to look at the past. But the past maybe is a bit fraught with your own ideas, whereas in the future it hasn't happened. And I think it sounds incredible. But in many ways, it's what psychics actually do when they look into a crystal ball. Not that probably any really do. But when you're thinking about future predictions. So I think there's something in it. And that's all I got for you. That's incredible, Michelle. Thanks. (laughs) Smashed it. We smashed it. We smashed it. Smashed it out of the park. Smashed it. (laughs) Lots to think about there. Amazing. And I'm glad that you were pretty much on the same track as what I'm about to talk about. I can't wait. I have no clue what you're talking about. Because you don't listen to me. I don't. I'm talking today about psychic attack, essentially, and how to protect yourself against. And I feel like we've talked about this before, but I was led to this because of negative energy. I was experiencing a little bit of negative energy this week. Just generally. From people or life? Just life, just just stuff, just stuff. Maybe it was churned up from the past or it just felt like a quite a dark and negative week to me. That's very interesting because Tamira the Modern Mystic. Yeah. There was a blood red moon. Yeah, there's been all sorts going on at the moment. It's a yes. very strange time. And I've really had... Not the holiday from hell, but I've had a lot of negative stuff happening on this holiday. So there's something in this. I'm really keen to hear what you're going to say. Well, I was led towards an article in a magazine called Kindred Spirit Magazine. (laughs) And there's a man called George Lizos. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm just going to say Lizos or Lizos. He's a psychic healer and a light worker. Now, what's a light worker, you say? They are people who work with the light, I suppose. I think they have a calling and they work in shades. I'm not quite sure. But he's got a book, so you could read it. It's called Lightworkers Gotta Work. Okay. Lightworkers Gotta Work. Gotta work, a bitch. George Lizos, he told a story in this magazine about the time he was called, whilst on holiday in Greece, about doing a live piece to camera on a popular morning TV show. And it was about a 30-minute segment. He's very excited to be given the opportunity. He was asked, much like our own modern mystic, Tamira, who you just mentioned, he was asked to give people guidance on setting their intentions for the new year. Mm -hmm. So very exciting. He came back from his holiday. He'd spent all evening and that morning doing preparation for the interview. But one thing he didn't do, Michelle, was shield himself before going on the live television show. Oh Shield himself against what exactly? Well, I'm going to tell you. The interview went very well, but as soon as he got off the set, something wasn't right within George and it hit him like a ton of bricks. He felt nausea, dizziness, piercing stomach pain. He ended up in bed for two weeks and he knew exactly what had happened to him. He was the victim of a psychic attack oh my god and he believes that this happened because he exposed himself to thousands of people who were all focusing their energies watching him live on the television thinking either what a crock or i hate that guy's hair or whatever it was they're thinking (laughs) yeah and it's poisonous thoughts it's negative thoughts 
whether they knew it or not, they, you know, these thoughts have all amassed in some sort of negative ball of energy, which hit George. And because he didn't have his shield in place, he ended up soaking up all this energy and negative vibes and it took a physical toll. And he says, psychic attack is when someone consciously or unconsciously sends an intense wave of negative emotion, usually anger or jealousy, your way. Wow. Just like a physical attack, psychic attack hurts on physical, emotional and mental levels. The effect of it can last for as long as an hour to months, Michelle. Oh, my God. Depending on the intensity of the attack. Well, poor old George was in bed for weeks, wasn't he? Two weeks, I know. Here are the most common symptoms of psychic attack. You've got fatigue, exhaustion, headaches, feeling cold, unexpected physical pain, nightmares, dizziness, feeling like you can't breathe, unexpected depression and mood swings are amongst them. I would say it's also, it can be just a feeling as well because I'm feeling quite attacked at the moment. It sounds like menopause, to be honest. (laughs) Maybe it's just that. (laughs) It just sounds like you listed the meno symptoms. George goes on to say, there are many types and levels of psychic attack, whereas what I experienced was a severe case of a group of people directing energy towards me In most cases, psychic attack is experienced when we unconsciously absorb other people's negative energy as we go about our day. So it is very important to protect yourself, Michelle. George thinks there are many other versions of your body that exist within and around you. This is where it gets a bit light work, possibly. In parallel dimensions. So there's lots of you all surrounding you, and it's known as your auric field. In this arena of psychic defense and psychic attack, the aura is very important. I'll go on to tell you why. So your auric field can extend up to four feet. That's almost as much as you, Michelle, standing upright or beyond. You're a bit more than four foot outside of your physical body. That's more than an arm stretch. That's a big radius. Mm. I did not know that was the auric field. I always thought the aura was just that gentle kind of a little glow around you and a little bit like when they do the Madonna and the Jesus and whatever. Little with halo. The glow. Yeah. Yes. So due to the aura's fluid and volatile nature, it can flow between objects, sending and receiving energy. And it's your aura that allows you this is all from George and his light work by the way it is your aura that allows you to sense energies of people and places as you walk through life and it's constantly giving you feedback about the world around you and due to auras picking up on other auras as well as yours sending stuff out if you see what I mean Mm. it's quite getting quite confusing but basically what George is advising is a good old aura cleanse now and again just to protect yourself And I'll go on to tell you about that later. But if you think about it, it's not just walking around every day. It's also live TV appearances, interactions with people on social media, even podcasting could possibly put you in the firing line for receiving negative energy from other people's auras and... You think about that when you get trolled, Mm. like when all those monsters on YouTube make horrible comments about two birds clucking. Yes. I mean, you know, that's negative, (laughs) negative energy. We're the target. And that's why we have to protect ourselves. And I will talk about trolls later because I do also think that that is a form of psychic attack. But Mm. when I first heard about the words psychic attack... It was in the 90s. I had returned to Australia after being in England. And if you remember, in an earlier episode, we talked about the time that I was 
haunted, if you like, lifted off a bed, yes. all of that kind of thing. It affected me quite deeply. And I was walking around an Australian boot fair somewhere in New South Wales. And I found, and it's in the 90s, I found this book called Psychic Self-Defense by a person called Dion Fortune. And I was interested to find out more about that book. I only read half of it. It really resonated at the time. I can't remember it anymore. That's why I looked into it for this episode. Well, that book, despite having a really hippy-trippy 70s style cover, was actually first published in 1930. And it was because in 1911, British occultist Dion Fortune claimed that while she was at college, she was the victim of mental manipulation from her employer, who was the college warden, a woman called Dr. Lilius Hamilton. At mm. the time, Dion was only 20 and she was known as Violet back then. She changed her name because she got all occulty later on. <laughs> but she, she clashed with this doctor over plans to charge wealthier college students to help the college failing at the time financially. But yeah. Lilius wasn't into that. And by all accounts, this Dr. Lilius, she was quite a force to be reckoned with. And right. so they had a bit of a, a hard time. And I think it must have been quite obviously hard for Dion at the time. So she decided to leave her job. But Lilius didn't want her to. And she gave her a really hard time about it. Dr. Lilius, she was really angry. And eventually she did agree to let Dion leave the college, but not before berating her. So the doctor, rather than let Dion go, she wanted Dion to admit that she was incompetent. She kept saying over and over that she lacked self-confidence and she was incompetent. And she kept saying, you are incompetent and you know it. You have no self-confidence. You've got to admit it. It went on for hours until... Oh, my God. Until Dr. Lilius wore Dion down and she was in a state of distress and she finally admitted defeat. She was allowed to leave the college. She ended up going home to live with her mother and had to take about three years to recover. In her book, which she wrote years later, she detailed how Dr. Hamilton had launched this psychic attack on her using yoga techniques and hypnotism. I personally just think wow. it was just her full-on strength of personality myself. Yeah. But it left Dion Fortune a mental and physical wreck for three years. I'm not surprised because this is what they do when they... I mean, you saw it on Making a Murderer. The police were just on and on and on this this guy with learning difficulties to admit to a murder, and finally he did. You can wear people down. Even though he didn't do mm. it. You can wear people down, definitely. Yeah. So when she went on to recover, eventually, Dion went on to study theosophy, which we've spoken about before, which is some kind of mystic form of religion to do with reincarnation, and psychology, mm -hmm. much like our Dr. Chris Rowe earlier. So she's got her her esoteric beliefs and she believes that it links up with psychology interesting yeah pin that so she found that she was able to read minds in a telepathy lecture as well so she's also able to um, remote view and all of this kind of stuff she was quite talented apparently and as a student she had this unusual patient who was experiencing, this is in counselling, in her psychology yeah. course, she had a patient while a trainee who was experiencing poltergeist-type occurrences, like doors flying open and dogs in the area always yapping. <laughs> she ended up meeting this guy called Moriarty, who was an Irish occultist who became her mentor. Together, they worked with this patient. They discovered there was an invisible presence in the room which could be seen by them if they turned the lights down and it showed itself as a faint glow in the corner, which when you tried to touch it was tingly, you get tingling in your hand. So Moriarty chased this, what he called entity into the bathroom where he trapped it inside a magic circle and destroyed it by absorbing it into his own 
aura. Oh, shit. Okay, well, that's one way. But did he protect himself from psychic attack? I'd say he did. He was knocked unconscious, but it done the trick. And the patient made a miraculous recovery. And from then on, Dion Fortune was well ensconced in her occult lifestyle from there on. She knew Alistair Crowley. She was involved in the Golden Dawn, which was one of the orders that he was involved in. Crowley thought she was brilliant and he used to attend her lectures and she visited him in Hastings. Our very first episode, listeners, was about Alistair Crowley and his time in Hastings. The Beast of Hastings. Hastings. Also at the Golden Dawn, she encountered some issues with another prominent member called Moina Mathers or Mathers. So during that time, Dion Fortune had published another book called Esoteric Philosophy of Love and Marriage. And Moira Mathers or Mathers, which would you say? Mathers? Mathers? Mathers. 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 She felt that this was laying all the secrets of the Golden Dawn and their various orders and suborders out for public consumption, which is a big no-no for her. And also she was very jealous of Dion Fortune because Dion was able to astral travel and very good at receiving Mm. trance messages from the ancient masters, you see. So Moina sacked Fortune off the Golden Dawn and all its subsidiary groups and whatnot, as well as launching a psychic attack upon her which involved, I couldn't get much more information than this, you're going to go, what the fuck, but it involved being confronted and assaulted by both real and ethereal cats. What? That's all I know. No. Sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) She got a little cat scratch. She got... Who knows? She saw a cat, a real cat. A fake cat. Do you know, we stayed in Berlin at our friend's house and I was chased up the hall by their cat, so I can understand it can be quite frightening. (laughs) So Dion Fortune also has the ability, this is wild as well, to create visible thought forms. They would have really used her in the military if they would have been able to. She could create these visible thought forms independent from her. For example, a grey werewolf that she manifested. What? Other people even saw it. That's insane. And she was able to control it. She was able to soak it back up into her aura. Madness. It is madness. Wow. So she's pretty advanced. I mean, you can see why this other lady was jealous because she's yeah. really advanced with her techniques. But see, that other lady, she died a few years later. Oops. Karma. Well, I was wondering while researching this, who was really the victim and who was the perpetrator of all these psychic attacks? If Dion Fortune knows so much about it, how do we know that she's not the one just throwing it out there all the time? She's able to manifest werewolves, for God's sake. Don't piss her off. Well, they do say the bullied become the bullies. She got attacked, so she became an attacker. Would you inflict this punishment, Michelle, if you could? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it can last for years. You can really ruin someone's life with it, yes. apparently, if you believe it. What is it? With great power comes great responsibility. And I think that is a great power. And I think you would have to take it very seriously. Yes, of course, you'd be like, fuck them. I just want to fuck them up. But really, it's yeah. karmic and all that kind well, of Well, apparently, stuff. we all have it. Mm. We all have that great power. And what about launching a psychic attack on a place? Because that's what Ooh. William S. Burroughs did. What do you mean? He was living in London in the 70s, early 70s. And he decided to launch a psychic attack on a London cafe called the Mocha Bar because he was just pissed off generally at the time. And he did it through something called playback. Not payback, but playback, which is where you take recordings and pictures. And apparently a recording made from the Mocha Bar is a piece of the Mocha Bar, according to the theory. Oh, Ted Morgan, who is the author of Burroughs' biography, Literary Outlaw, he said... On several occasions, a snarling counterman had treated him 
Burroughs with outrageous and unprovoked discourtesy and served him poisonous cheesecake that made him sick. What? So Bur- Burroughs decided to retaliate by putting a curse on the place. And the method chosen by Burroughs was one that he had used earlier on the Church of Scientology. No, I didn't know about this. No, neither did I. Basically just turning up every day taking photographs and making sound recordings. You can hear those sound recordings on YouTube. I found some, which he would play back a day or so later on the street outside the Mocha Bar. So you take these recordings, comings and the goings of the Mocha Bar, the sounds of the street, the sounds of the cafe. And he went every day with ill intent, standing outside, playing these things back a few days later, which basically displaced the Mocha Bar out of its present time. Oh, it unsettled it. It's quite mystical. And got quite a process here. Yeah, there's a big process. It says here, you play back a tape that had taken place two days ago and you superimposed it on what was happening now, which pulled them out of their time position. Mm. The mocha bar being there. Okay. Yeah. According to Burroughs, the attack worked and the mocha closed that year and became the Queen's snack bar instead. Owned by a different owner. Great. And I bet they did not poison his cheesecake or act as courteously to him. No. I'd say that he was addled on drugs. <laughs> he was living a bit of a high life at the time, yes. visiting all the lovely gentlemen of the night and various other things. And I think maybe he was in a bad mood, possibly. Who knows? These esoteric style of attacks are one thing, but there is something very real happening, which is damaging to people. And it's happening right now. And you touched on it earlier, Michelle. Trolls. Trolls. Trolling, yes. Also this week, just randomly, because it was recommended to me, you listened to something on Radio 4. It's a podcast series. You can get it on BBC Sounds. It's called Disaster Trolls. Have you heard about this? No. You should listen. It's made by a lady called Mariana Spring, who is the BBC's disinformation correspondent. And it's basically about people who target the victims of disasters such as the 2017 Manchester Arena bombing. And they target the victims of these attacks, like the survivors, who have already been living with trauma and loss, but now they have these online trolls to deal with. Because these trolls believe that the victims of these disasters are actually just crisis actors employed by the government. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they've been put in these scenarios which are directed by the authorities and the powers that be to change laws and things like that and to get their way. For example, Alex Jones, who's a conspiracy theorist who was recently actually sued for a huge amount of money because he started a theory about Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook massacre in a school. Mm. He then went out of his way to try and prove that that was all crisis actors. It wasn't real. It didn't happen. It was made up by the anti-gun league and authorities in order to take away civil or restrict civil liberties and the right to bear arms. It's crazy, isn't it? It's all a bit comet ping-pong. Poisonous. So the UK has its own conspiracy theorist to rival Alex Jones. His name is Richard D. Hall, who put surveillance outside of the house of a teenaged Manchester Arena Mm. victim who ended up in a wheelchair due to her injuries of that evening, and her father did as well, also was injured. And this guy, Richard D. Hall, put surveillance outside of her house to see if she really did sustain those injuries after all. And he put this up on his YouTube and his channels, and he talks about it, and he has another lady that he talks about it with, and they're laughing about it. It's disgusting. But I think that those kind of conspiracy theorists and these crazy ideas... They come from a place of fear rather than a place of rage, unlike the psychic attacks that we talked Mm, about earlier. Yeah, I could agree there. 
And I think that those kind of rage attacks come from people who are feeling jealous or hating because they're not experiencing life the way that they want to experience it. But you say fear, but fear of what, you know? They're becoming fearful of society and the way that the world is and maybe spending too much time on the internet. I don't know. But I do actually think there is an element of rage because, you know, fear, often people will cower and retreat. You need fear matched with anger and rage and a feeling of self-righteousness. I need to prove a point to propel you into the kind of crazy action that you would stalk a poor woman who is in a wheelchair outside her home to prove God knows what. like That it didn't happen. It's disgusting. In any case, Michelle, in case you were wondering, here's what George Lizzo's says about shielding yourself before a national interview or otherwise. So perhaps this is what you want to do next time you go and check into a hotel. <laughs> you can choose. There's a couple of ways that you can protect your aura and protect yourself against psychic attack, according yes. to George Lizos. You can choose your favourite essential oil. It can be any kind. I wouldn't choose tea tree, though. But hold it to your chest and ask the oil to help protect you before rubbing three drops into your palms and then waving your hands around to coat your aura. Oh, lovely. I'll do that with a bit of lavender. Yeah. like a bit of lavender. Lavender is good. Or you can do a mantra where you thump yourself in the chest twice and say, I am safe. Okay. I am safe. I've just done that. Well, I'm, pr- I'm yeah. protected. Done. Protected now. So that means you won't need to do this final thing. Okay. Which, thanks George Lizos for this. You could ask your unicorn guide to shower you with rainbow light via its horn. Oh, for fuck's sake. That just really <laughs> has made me put George Lizos in the bin. He's in the bin now. What the Thanks, hell? George. Oh, my God. Here I am, like, nodding in agreement. Oh, my God. Yes, George. Yes, yes, yes I've got my lavender oil. And then it brings out a fucking unicorn. Sorry, George. So I now think that that's what the light worker does. He works with unicorns and oh, rainbow lights, possibly. Shit. Okay. And you can also book him at the weekends for your kids' party. <laughs> As a scary clown. Oh, my God. Wow. Well... That's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, I think that that actually helps both of us in our the week from hell that you you have had, the week from hell that I've had, and anyone else out there who might be experiencing a week from hell thanks to the blood red moon or whatever else yes. out there is reaching in and unsettling you. Well, the you. thing is I've got Tamira the Modern Mystics daily, you know, moon risings. Yes, I've and got it, that. they pop up on my computer, actually. Moon Lover's Guide. Is it Moon Lover? Yes, it is maybe yep. Moon Lover's. And I have to say, I have clicked off probably about in the last God knows how long in the last few weeks nearly every day there's like a retrograde a retrograde a retrograde and I'm like oh my god yeah, it's, it's been a lot and apparently 11 11 is a magical day 11 11 2022 you know magical you know so look anyone who uh wants to know more check out Tamira the Modern Mystic but she has got some good info definitely she really mm. does Tamira.com and you can have one-to-ones with her as yeah. well from any country that yeah. you're in we really appreciate Tamira. She helps she us. She does indeed. What a story. I feel like psychic attack can happen to anyone. And I feel that maybe it has happened to me. I don't know. How would you know? Yeah. We just palm it off for something else. Like, oh, just got my rags. I don't know. <laughs> I think you need to be in touch with yourself. I think you need to be in touch with your feelings, mm. being aware of what's going on. I mean, I know that when something happens, when somebody says something to you or about you and you found out about it, it can have a negative effect. And that effect can last for weeks. 
yes. while you process it. Yes. And maybe it affects you, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you think it shouldn't affect me, but it does. Yeah. Well, I would say hold on to those feelings, not hold on to them, but be aware of those feelings and process them. Mm. Take some time to just sit with them because if you don't, they don't go away. I don't think these feelings and those issues go away. They just, they need to be thought about and then put to bed and then you can move on. Yeah. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. What a great story and a great little life lesson there at the end. Well, now we can happily send all our little eavesdroppers off now to have a lovely week. It's only going to get better. Just remember, everything will pass. And also remember that wherever you are. And whatever you do, just just keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.